Man, I, I'm really excited uh, to pick up where we left off last week uh, on our message that we kicked off, a new series titled Transformed. And so this, this message is, is tying in perfectly to our fast that we started. Uh, like Pastor Jessica said, we are on day eight already. I hope everybody is doing okay. Nobody's killed anybody yet. Uh, y'all, for the most part, seem like you're smiling, uh, so you're still alive. Amen. Uh, I hope and pray that you have been growing, though. I hope and pray that God has been stretching you. And I hope and pray that when you've, you've hit those walls, anybody hit a wall yet? Everybody must be doing really good. Is it just me? That when you hit those walls, when you feel like you're struggling, when your flesh is crying out for that thing that you're, you're fasting or abstaining from, that you take that moment as an opportunity to press into God that much more so that he can, he can draw those things out of us so that we can be made stronger. Amen. So he can transform us. That we can, that we can uh, be made better and stronger. So uh, I'm excited really to pick this message up where we left off uh, last week. So let's just go ahead and do this thing. Uh, and we'll do a little recap before we get into the new part of our message. Look at your neighbor if you got one and say, let's do this thing. Amen. Y'all sound alive and well this morning. So that first point, we said uh, last week, we said we need more than resolutions. Do you know that as a church, the world needs more than just good ideas. We need some God ideas. We need more than just resolutions, some good goals and healthy habits. We need transformation. We need God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit to come together in unity in our lives in such a powerful way that we're literally transformed for His glory. The best version of you is Jesus in you. That's the best version of your life. As we kick this off at the beginning of the new year and we started this fast, we always, we always fast every year at Liberty Church at the beginning of the year because we want to give God the first fruits of our year, of a brand new year. And the way the world is so backwards, uh, the world gets all excited and, you know, we get, uh, we get pumped up and energized and ready. We say things like, oh, it's a brand new year, it's going to be a brand new me, right? Brand new year, brand new you. I'm going to start doing all these healthy things, which are good to do, and we say, oh, I'm going to lay all this stuff down, and, and, and we pile the list up, and, and we really kind of set ourselves up for failure, because we're doing those things to con in, our, in our own strength, in my own power. I'm trying to accomplish all these things and, and fix my life my way, and that's exactly what a resolution is. We need transformation. The actual transformation that you want to see take place in your life can happen. This can be the best year that you've ever seen. But it only can happen by Him and through Him. Amen. We have to, we have to invite Him into our lives. And when, and, and when we lay down uh, ourselves and our selfish pride, He comes in. You know, and God wants to do more than just clean you up and shine you up and, and dust you off and pat you on the back. He'll do that. But he wants to do something bigger and greater. He wants to transform us literally into something brand new. A season that you've yet to enter into can happen this year if you press into him like you never have before. Your best life has more Jesus. More Jesus. That's what I need. You hear me say it all the time. I want to look more like Jesus today than I did and I'm going to look more like Jesus tomorrow 
than I did today. Amen. Let's look at uh, John 3, 6 through 7. I used the scripture last week too. Uh, and at verse 6 it says, Humans can only reproduce uh, human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must, say you must be born again. So humans can only reproduce human life. If we do things like resolutions and good ideas and not God ideas and, and seek His transformation, we will only reproduce those fleshly things that fall short because we live in a fleshly world that has fallen and stained by sin. And so we said uh, last week that our transformation process actually begins at salvation. In order for God to begin to transform you, you first have to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And man, I hope and believe most of us have done that. If you're here today and you haven't done that, there will be an opportunity for you to do that today, I promise you. You want to talk about transformation, He can literally transform your life today. But that's where it has to start. It has to start with, with being born again. And talk about transformation. We serve a God that brings dead things to life. Dead people to life. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, conquered death, hell, and the grave. He was resurrected. And so if you have spiritually dead things in your life, come on, anybody hear what I'm saying? The lifeblood of who Jesus Christ is can resurrect you back to life. He can transform those dead areas in your life. To make us better, to make us stronger, to give me more joy, to give me more peace, to give me more freedom, to give me more liberty. And when I experience those things on the inside, then all those external things that I'm striving and, and trying to get actually happen and take place. So our transformation starts at salvation, but it doesn't end there. He, he can transform us in a moment. I know a lot of us maybe have some good stories of our salvation moment and day. There are literally some areas in your life that are just like instantly wrecked. But from that day forward, you're never the same. And he begins to change us. It's a continual process from glory to glory as he, as he, he draws out the impurities of our lives. So really, uh, we said last week, as we're praying, fasting, and giving over these next 21 days, and I hope that this become a lifestyle of worship and praise as we move on past 21 days, and it happens every year. Some, some good, healthy habits are going to go ahead and take a root in your life after this. And so, but we said as, as, as we are engaged in this process, at this current moment as a church, that there's three main things that happen for the transformation to take place in my life. So let's look at that next point. And so we gave these to you last week in these, I know we have a lot of smart people in here. A lot of us probably knew in some way, shape, form, or fashion that, that these three answers kind of tie in to what the, the transformation process looks like and how it happens. So we said we're transformed to the image and likeness of Jesus through the revelation of Christ. The renewing of our minds and the crucifying of our flesh. So if we want to be transformed, and continually transform. It has to start with being born again, being saved, accepting Jesus. And that, that first part of, of the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And so as we're continually being transformed, we have to constantly revisit the revelation of who Christ is in your life at this moment, in this season of your life. 
God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore, but God has an awesome, amazing knack to meet us right where we're at. No matter where you're at. If you ain't saved today, He still loves you. He doesn't judge you. The Bible says while we're yet sinners, He still loved us. So He meets you there. If you've been been saved for a couple years, you've had some victories, but there's still things that that you're needing God to transform you in, He meets us there. And so, we have to continually have a fresh uh, meeting place as we sit at his feet uh, every morning or whatever, whatever time of day you have your quiet time and by reading his word, worship, prayer, all these things. And, and that's really where we hung out last week as we kicked this message off about the, the being transformed by the revelation of who Christ is in our lives. Today, is, we're going to hang out at the second part, the, the renewing of our minds and what that means and what that looks like. And we renew our minds in a lot of ways by the reading of his word, by, by uh, going to small groups and coming to church, being involved in a healthy, good church, uh, doing, re- reading his word and, and, and listening to and studying other good Christian material that we can read or, or, or listening to messages on the internet. And so that, that's a continual process that has to happen. We're going to talk about that today for most of today. And there's actually going to be a little twist on renewing your mind, uh, I hope and pray that's going to give you a fresh perspective, a fresh revelation of what renewing your mind actually looks like and how we can do it. And, and I believe it's going to be a good Holy Spirit twist and, and show you something that you maybe never recognized before. And, and, the, and this, the third part of that statement where we're going to hang out next week is the crucifying of our flesh. And I said last week that I think as believers, as sons and daughters, even as this church, I feel like we are doing really good in the first two things. That we do, we do sit at his, at his feet every day. And we have a fresh revelation of who Jesus is in my life. And I, I see and recognize and identify who he is in my life. That he's my Lord and my Savior. And all these things. And, and we renew our minds on a daily basis. But the third part, the crucifying of our flesh is where we struggle. And we struggle, I said last week, because crucifying your flesh is painful. (laughs) Maybe some of y'all have been experiencing some of that pain as we begin fasting. And that's exactly why we're doing that. Because when you crucify your flesh, we're transformed. So don't worry, we'll have fun with that one next week. I want to go ahead and I'll kick my coverage and get ahead of myself. But we'll talk about that, that next week. Let's go ahead and look at 2 Corinthians uh, 3, 17 through 18. And so really, when we do all three of those things in harmony, God transforms us. But let's read 17. Uh, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect, say reflect, the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we're changed, transformed, into his glorious image. And so the more that we see him, the more that we're connected to him, the, the more that I press into him in a deep and real way as I pray fast and give, as I, as I uh, revisit the revelation of who Jesus is, or I renew my mind and I crucify my flesh, the more that he transforms me and changes me. And the more that other people can see and recognize who God really is. We, refer, we reflect the true image of who God is really is. So if I want to keep changing, I got to keep seeing him. 
I got to keep seeking Him. If I like the changes that I'm seeing in my life, if I, if I feel His tangible presence, then I have, to, I have to keep seeing Him because we said last week that we reflect what we see and we become what we behold. So if I keep seeing Jesus for who He is, then I, I become Him. I reflect who He really is to the world around me, to Ian's bubble, to whatever your bubble is. And we behold what we become what we behold. When I, when I put God back at the center of the universe where he's supposed to be, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, when I put him where he's supposed to be, I behold him and then I become him because we aspire to become the things that we behold. Does that make sense? And so I chase the right, the right truth of who God is. And I shared that little Holy Spirit nugget last week that, that when we do that, when, when we behold Him and, and, and chase Him and seek Him in a real intimate way, then transformation happens. I said last week the Holy Spirit shared with me in my quiet time that the goal of this fast, the goal of the series, this message, is not transformation. That's where we miss it. The goal is intimacy with Him. When I, when, I, when I get intimate with him because I want to be, then he transforms me. The way the world says, get changed by changing everything that you can. Chase the, chase the transformation and you'll be changed. No, you chase the transformation and you feel less than. You feel frustrated. You feel more angry than you were. A lot of people start these fresh res resolutions and these things that they write down. And if they're not doing it for him, day three, they're like, why did I do this? This is too hard. I'm done. If you chase him in a real intimate way, man, when he hung out across and said, amen, it's finished, when, when, you, when you revisit the revelation of who Jesus is, when he says, amen, it's finished, when you tap into that strength of who God is, you can do anything. And then it becomes that much more real. This relationship can be restored. This thing that I want to see happen in my life. This person that I love and care about who's maybe real sick. We're going through some tough places. People in our communities, in our Holly Pond communities who are struggling just the day after a storm, or in our Arab communities struggling the day after a storm, or all the communities in between. When you have the revelation who God is, and when you're, when you're born again, there's a peace that happens that only, that only can happen by Him. Amen? Let's look at that uh, the first new point this morning. So that's it for the recap. So th this, this first new point we're going to hang out like I said on the, the, the renewing of our minds so we are transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus through the renewing of our minds there's a lot of ways that we renew our minds we can do it we, we mainly have to do it by his word though you have to renew your mind and wash your mind uh, renew your mind with what God says what does God say about you your life your family your workplace, your church. What true things does he say about you? What true things did he speak over you before you were even born? That's how good our father is. He looked out for me before I was even born. So those are the types of things we have to do to, re, to be renewing our minds. We have to be plugged in uh, to a good church, plugged in to, to good small groups, connected in right relationships with other believers who love and care about me. 
other believers in this church that have my back. Man, we have such an, I'm looking at all these people, we have such an amazing group. We have an amazing core group of people that have been birthed in less than seven months. From April to December is all we had last year. And Jessica read some of the statistics. Isn't it amazing what God has done already? And guess what he's going to do this next year? Even more. Even more. But, so he changes the funny thing about God, the cool thing about God, the thing that I love about God. He changes our minds by doing those things. Those real practical things that we have to do. But he changes our minds by changing our hearts. Some of y'all have maybe heard, heard me say that a lot. He first changes our hearts to change my mind. That's why it's so vital that you have to be born again first of the kingdom of God so you can see the kingdom of God. Because if you're not born of the kingdom that you're supposedly supposed to be from, you can't see it. You can preach Jesus all day long and you can receive it in your flesh and with your earthly eyes, but if you don't see it or receive it with your spiritual heart, your spiritual mind, your your spiritual body, you can't receive that truth. And so a lot of times, the thing that, the thing that you need changed and transformed in your life, you've got to surrender that thing in your heart to him first. If you can't wrap your mind around this thing, you just got to say, God, I give you permission to move all up into my heart. Change my heart, God. I need your heart in this situation. God, I need your heart to forgive this person. Uh-oh, there's a tough one. Somebody who's hurt us. But when I do that, my mind's remain new. And he shows me how, how I can get through this. And that I don't have to do it alone. Amen. Let's read uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And so I want to stop there for a moment. The way that we can truly worship God is by our sacrifice. Living a holy, uh, living a body of sacrifice. And so that is what we are doing as we pray, fast, and give during this season right now, in this next 21 days. Because God, he sees our act of sacrifice as worship. You know, that's exactly what Jesus did on the cross. He worshiped his father by laying it all down, by sacrificing everything that he had. You know, God calls us to that type of life, that type of sacrifice. That's the type of worship that he sees, recognizes, and blesses. I said last week that God wants nothing more than for his children to be all in. But I pushed it a step further for our, our new age folks or our younger crowd that people can identify. God wants nothing more than for his people to be his ride or die. That's what being all in and sold out means. He wants you to be his ride or die. You know what? Jesus ride and died with you in your worst. I already shared it. The Bible says that he loved us while we were yet sinners. In your mess, he didn't judge you. He, he, he loves you. And you can stay there if you want. But if you want to go to heaven one day, you got to accept who he is. And, he, and even at that place, he still went to the cross. And so when, when we feel like our life's messed up, even if, if I'm struggling, I might even get mad at God. God, why did you allow this to happen to me? Oh, there's a lie from the enemy. Has anybody ever said that? Bad things happen. 
We live in a world that is cursed and stained by sin. And that is why we need to preach Jesus. Because if we want to see the world changed, it'll get better. It'll get better if more people come to know Him. Amen? So God God sees our sacrifice as His worship. Sorry to stop there in the middle. Let's look at verse 2. It says, so don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God, there it is, transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Is anyone chasing him so he can transform you into a new person? Then there it is for us today. We have to change the way that we think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That word transform comes from the Greek word metamorphos. It's where we get our English word metamorphosis that we use to describe that, that, that process, that transformation of like what a caterpillar goes through before he becomes a butterfly. Or uh, even a tadpole goes through before he becomes a frog. It's that, that metamorphosis, that, that transformation that God wants to do for us to literally change us, to make us brand new. And you know what's so cool about that caterpillar? He gets a brand new life. He goes from being a creepy crawly to being something that soars beautifully through the air. His life is transformed. But you know what? That, that butterfly can't go back and become a caterpillar. So I got a word for somebody here today. Stop trying to snuff out that life of God that he's already birthed inside of you. If he's bringing, bringing you, changing from glory to glory, why go back to being a caterpillar? Stay, stay the course. Stay the track. He's going to transform you into something else. Here's the thing we struggle with, though. The transformation isn't in an instant. That caterpillar doesn't just become a butterfly. That transformation that God wants to do in your life might take time. It might take some, some, some strong relationships. It might take some good accountability to get you where he wants to get you. But God can truly transform you. He can transform us. And here's the thing. You know, we said in verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. The world wants to do whatever it can to get you to conform to its image. And do you know that only God can truly transform us? The world can only counterfeit that transformation. You can't get that type of transformation from the world. The world says things like, you want to lose weight? Drink this. You want to feel good? Snort that. You want to you wanna, you wanna look good? Get that right haircut. Get those right clothes. Drive that right car. You want to get in a relationship with that right girl or that right guy? Mmm. You have to sell yourself short. The world can only counterfeit the transformation that God wants to transform through you. And do you know if it's too good to be true in the world, it probably is. As I was, this is kind of funny, as I was praying and going through this uh, the other day, the Holy Spirit showed me, or I just remembered, I, I just had a laugh. Uh, I remember this infomercial that used to come on. It was this thing to give you six-pack abs. And it's so hilarious because it's like one of those belts, those electric belts. I think it was called the ab lounge. You can't get abs if you're lounged. 
But all you have to, it comes on the TV and you put it on, the dude's smiling, he's got it on, he's kicked back on the couch with his foot on the ottoman, the remote in hand, bowl of popcorn and a, and a Coca-Cola. It's like, if you want real transformation, a six-pack abs, just call now, 1995. You don't have to do anything. Do you know that's too good to be true? You know you can't get shredded. You can't get uh, swole unless you are in a, a real, intimate, right relationship with the gym. <laughs> so let me say, if you want to get spiritually swole, you want some guns, you want a big old spiritual chest, you want to come out on top and have some victories in Jesus' name, then you need to be in right, real, intimate relationship with the king. Let him renew your mind so he can transform your body, your life, your family. Amen? And here's the thing. I'm going to go back. The world wants to conform us. Conformed is not transformed. This is another word for somebody. Some of us are trying so hard to be conformed. Instead of allowing him just to transform us. Some of us are trying so hard to just look like a Christian. To talk like a Christian. To live like a Christian. It's wearing you out. We need to just stop trying to be and simply just be. Just do what Jesus has done in your heart. That's all you can do. And when you do that, you can't miss it. And when you do that, he transforms us. Amen? Conformed is not transformed. I want to be transformed in Jesus' name. Anybody else? That next point. This is so vital why we have to renew our minds. Our thoughts control our emotions, okay? They control our decisions and our actions and attitude. You are who you think you are. Until you change how you think, you'll never change. Our thoughts and our beliefs are what we believe controls everything. Say everything. Everything starts with a thought. And so do you know that you have the ability to choose joy? Actually, let me rephrase that. God calls you to choose joy in the midst of your test, trial, struggle. But my flesh is real. I get hurt. I get angry. I get frustrated. I experience jealousy. But I have to choose what God calls me to choose to renew my mind so that God can change me. And as I do that over a process, a period of time, the longer and longer that I do it, the better I get, the stronger I get, the more he changes me, the, more, the less I have to battle and fight those same old wasted things that happen in my life. And I can just chalk it up to, to, to victory in Jesus. And so the thing is, we actually live at the level of our thinking. You live at the level of your thinking. If you think you're more than a conqueror, if you've been renewing your mind for any amount of time, you begin to, to live it, breathe it, think it, know it, believe it. Before you come to know Jesus, a lot of us are negative-minded. Uh, I still struggle being negative. My wife would say amen to that. She's the more positive one out of the bunch. But man, God's still working on me, and I'm a lot better than I was. And I'm getting better in Jesus' name. And so, but in those moments, I have to, I have to choose how I'm going to react, how I'm going to respond, how I'm going to live, types of things I'm going to say and speak. 
over those situations. In Matthew, uh, let's look at that next scripture, Matthew 4, 17. And this is the twist I was talking about uh, that I want to give us this morning of what renewing our minds looks like. It might not be what you thought. So this is Jesus right after he comes out of the desert, fasting 40 days, 40 nights. He just kicked the devil in the teeth and defeated him the first time through the temptations. Uh, and the first message, the first thing he begins to do as he goes and, and picks up his mantle for his three and a half years of, of ministry on earth is preach this message. It says, from that time Jesus began to preach and say, repent, say repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You might say, I don't say anything about renewing your, my mind in that scripture. Well, let me challenge you. If you repent actually has a, a couple different meanings. And that's a, a term that we loosely throw around in church. And, and most of us are familiar with the, the confession of our shortcomings and sins with repentance. And you might have heard that repentance, if you study it out in some scriptures, means to literally turn around and go the opposite way that you were once going. And it does mean that. But in this scripture, when you study it out, in the original language, repent means to literally change the way that you think. That's the first message Jesus preaches. He says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. I'm the one that you've been praying, believing for. I'm here. But in order for you to see the kingdom of God, to receive the kingdom of God, to receive the transformation, to receive this new thing that I want to do in your life, you need to first change the way that you think. You got to repent. And so for us to accept what God wants to do in our lives, we have to repent, renew our minds, change the way that we think. Jesus knew that unless our thoughts changed, our belief system wouldn't. He knew that if we didn't change our minds, our beliefs wouldn't change. When I change my mind, I begin to believe different. I have expectation. I have more trust in him. And really what God was doing in this moment and what God wants to do in, in our lives during this fast is he wants us to take him out of the box that we've put him in. I don't care what you say, we all have a tendency at times to put God in our little box. God's this way. He can only do these things. He can do this for this person, but I missed it. He can't redeem this area of my life. Jesus says, repent, change the way that you think for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus has already been offered up. He lived, if you've, if you've uh, confessed him as Lord and Savior in your life, received him, then he's the key you need to tap into. He can change us. He's got us. Let's look at that next point. I love, I love this. So uh, we are renewed only to the degree that we repent. My mind is only renewed to the degree that I continually begin to change it on a day basis. That's stinking thinking. No, God, I'm not going to think and say these things. God, I'm going to search your word and see what you say on this matter, the situation, over this person, over my life, over my family. God, I'm changing the way that I think. The degree that you do that, if you're all in, if you're his ride or die, you give him everything, you, the degree at which you'll be changed will happen. And it will happen faster. The transformation that you want to happen in your life uh, can happen faster if we are sold out to the degree that you're sold out. Uh, the next part of that statement, the revelations of Christ that come through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are conditional. Repentance, the changing of uh, our thinking and beliefs is required, say required, for continual 
transformation. So that's what I'm talking about. Continual transformation has to take place. The more that I give of myself, the more that I sacrifice myself, that that begins to happen. Excuse me. So the more that, that, that I agree with God about my shortcomings and why I need Jesus in my life, the more my mind is renewed. The more I continually change my mind on, on that fact that, you know what, I don't got this. This has uh, been pretty hard, me trying to do this over and over and over again. And I get worse and worse and worse and worse. The more that I revisit that truth that, God, I do have shortcomings, I do have sin. God, I need you more in my life. He renews us through our repentance. And the other side of repentance, that other thing that I was talking about, about not changing my mind, about, about confessing and identifying those shortcomings, those sin issues in our lives. It's that confession. And when we confess, we agree. Confessing is agreeing with God. Because the Bible says we've all fallen short. I'll raise both my hands and both my feet, maybe. And so, but what happens is, I don't agree with God when I don't believe what he said about my life. And so when God has all these positive, that's an understatement, awesome, amazing, life-giving things. He says, I want to give you life and life abundant here on earth before he calls us into heaven, the greatest place on earth, outside of earth. So he says all these things, but I say and think all these other things, and I'm stuck on this metaphorical uh, 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 fence, and I don't go anywhere. And really, that's what the other, the, the other meaning of repentance means is because I, I'm saying and thinking and I'm actually going this way and God's calling me this way. So, and how can, how can two agree if they, if, if they don't uh, say and speak the same things? And so I'm actually disagreeing with God. I'm arguing with God. I'm not accepting what he said. But when I, when I renew my mind, when I repent, then I say, God, I agree with you. And now I begin to go the way that he is going. He is leading me and guiding me. And then he can begin to work in my life. God cannot begin to work in our lives until we've repented to him. Let's look at uh, Luke 8, 11 through 15. So this is a, uh, kind of a big chunk of scripture. Uh, it's the parable of the seed. Jesus is, is preaching on the parable of the seed and how that seed is produced and received. And so the meaning of the parable uh, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. Okay, The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message, only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. Some of us hear that God loves me. And immediately, I stiff arm God and I say, yeah, but I did all this stuff. That's how the devil steals that seed. It fell on the footpath. Thirteen. Uh, the seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and they fall away when they face temptation. God, yes, I believe that you love me. It begins to take root. I believe it. I received it with joy. And then somebody I love and care about comes, sideswipes me, hurts me. I say things like, God, why did you allow that to happen in my life? If you loved me, you would have protected me. That seed is snuffed away by the devil. Verse 14, the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures 
of this life and they never grow into maturity. I come to a place almost where I know God and I just, I hear his word and, and I don't do anything with it. I just kind of leave it on a shelf in some obscure place in my life, in my spiritual life. Verse 15, and the seeds, this is what I want you to pay attention to, that fell on good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce, say patiently, produce a huge harvest. A huge harvest. So that word, he, Jesus says, is God's word is the seed. There's a process before that seed comes to bear fruit. You've got to know that God's word, if there's been a promise spoken over you through prayer, if you've felt God say something in your life and you feel it's a promise, you've wrote it down, you're clinging to that thing, it says you need to, to, to uh, be patiently waiting. Don't lose sight of what he said in the process of the promise. Amen. We have to cling to that word. Cling to that word, it says. I love that. Let's go on to um, uh, Romans 8, 5 through 6. This next scripture. Uh, so, so it says, uh, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so that's so important why we have to continually renew our minds. Our mind is, is of the flesh, but by the Holy Spirit, He can, he can redeem our minds by renewing it as we, as we give it to Him, give Him our thoughts. Now the Bible says to take captive of every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So if you're struggling in your thought life, some things, you know, I said everything starts with a thought. Before you ever get out there and get lost into a big mess of sin, it started with a thought. And so when those thoughts come, if you don't take them captive, that's a funny word, captive. Isn't it funny? How, you, how do you treat captives of war? Pretty harsh, right? POWs, you might feed them a, half a thing of bread and a little bit of water just to keep them alive. He says, take captive of every thought. Some of us are taking those, those evil thoughts and we just pet them. How you treat in your thoughts that aren't supposed to be there? Do you nurture those things? Keep them alive? Or do you take that thing captive and bring it to the obedience of Christ? Because that's how we renew our minds. That's what we're called to do. That next, part, that next point, uh, it says, uh, setting our minds on the things of the Spirit doesn't mean that we just think about spiritual things. Okay, It means that we think like the Spirit thinks about everything. Say everything. And so we, as you begin to live for him longer uh, and seek him uh, and get grow closer to him, especially through this, this fast, you're going to begin to think like he does as he transforms us. So we're not supposed to just think about, you know, uh, spiritual things. And do you know, being spiritual doesn't have to be weird <laughs> or creepy you know, people, there's like a stigma like, oh, that guy's like spiritual. He kind of freaks me out a little bit. You know, I have a confidence and boldness that's in Christ. If the Holy Spirit calls me to pray for somebody, if we're out somewhere, movie theater or at Walmart or whatever, you know what, I'll do that. And it don't have to be weird. 
it's from the Holy Spirit, it's truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so that's what, has, that's what happens. That's what begins to happen. We'll actually think the way that he thinks. And when we begin to think the way that he thinks, things happen, things change, things get better. This is the thing. The only way you can trump your flesh is by his spirit. The only way that you can trump his flesh. Somebody say trump. Yeah. I love me some President Trump. It's not where I was going, but the only way you can trump your flesh is by the Spirit. As you're going through this fast, I've already said it, the only way you're going to trump your flesh when it starts crying out, and it's going to, it cried out for Jesus. You remember what he said in the garden? God, nevertheless, my will, but your will. That's the type of ride or die that we, we serve. So when you come up against it, when your flesh starts crying out, you better make that your prayer. God, I've started this thing. Nevertheless, my will, because my will has been bought for for a, a price, your will, your ways. And I begin to, to see and think the way that the Spirit does. Let's look uh, at that last scripture. Haley, uh, you want to make your way? The awesome thing about uh, thinking the way the Holy Spirit does is he, he reveals treasures in your life. And, and this scripture literally talks just about those things that God has for us that he wants to give us. All it takes is our, our faith and our obedience to press into him so that he show them and reveal them to us. He wants to. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16, it says, that is what the scriptures uh, mean when they say, no eye has seen or nor ear has, and, and nor mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Say deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. You can know the treasures and deep secrets that God wants to pour out on your life if you seek him in a real intimate way every day. He'll give them to you. He'll speak them to you. He'll show them to you. When we tell you these things, we do not use uh, words that come from mere human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit. Are you glad that I preach by the Spirit every Sunday? That it's not just Ian up here. Using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but by themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? 
But we understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. There it is. That has to be your prayer. That has to be your confession. That you have the mind, the complete, redeemed mind of Christ working in your life if you've accepted Jesus into your life. And you've got to begin to say things like, yes, God, I understand these things, these deep secrets, these treasures, because I have the mind of Christ. I can remember when I first got saved. God changed uh, my mind by changing my heart first. But when I made that decision that day, uh, I was in a place called Teen Challenge. It's like our sunshine house here at the Liberty Church. And I, I went up to my room and I, I had this big old Bible and you know what happened? The enemy tried to snuff out that word to fall on thorny ground. I said, a thing to myself like, how am I ever going to understand all this? And then the Holy Spirit quickened me. It had to have been the Holy Spirit. Because I said, God, that'll come. I don't know how I'm going to understand it. I still don't understand it all. And I've been a, a, a pastor for less than almost a year now. But I said, God, I don't understand it, but I believe it. Every word, God. I believe it. What was I doing? I was renewing my mind. I was activating my faith. And that's what we have to do. When, when we can't see, all we see is our logical eyes. How is God going to work this thing out? That's pretty messed up. How is God going to do that? And I have to say things like, no, God. I believe. I believe and I know. Maybe it won't come to pass in my life, but it's going to come to pass. In Jesus' name. If Christ lives in you, you can understand the kingdom and all its treasures and secrets. In order for, for me, in order for us to be truly transformed, I need his deep secrets. I need, I need his treasures in my life. For Ian to go from glory to glory, for Ian to become a better pastor next year than he, he was this year, I need his treasures. I need his deep secrets. I need his Holy Spirit thoughts. I need his God ideas in my life. Anybody else? Amen. We go ahead and get the, the lights dimmed down. Before we close and go into a time of worship, I ask everybody just to sit in prayer. And I hope and pray that God spoke something to you today. As we're talking about renewing our minds, and I can't remember if I shared this or not, but the word that the Holy Spirit gave me for 2020 was more. I wrote that word down. I'm standing on that word. I count it as a promise of God. God is going to give Ian more. He's going to give him more anointing. He's going to give him more blessing. He's going to give him more provision. He's going to give him more friends and, and sisters and brothers and sisters in Christ. He's going to grow Liberty Church more. The thing is about God giving me more is that God said, I'll do that for you, but it's going to take Ian that you give me more of yourself. The promise is yours. It's there. I will pour it out. Uh, blessings from heaven. Uh, pressed down, shaken together, running over. More in your life if you just give me more. More of, your, more of your heart. More of your mind. More of your time. More of everything that you have to give me and I'll give it to you. 
Those are the types of secrets and treasures that he reveals to us. And so as you're sitting and praying, I hope that he's speaking to you. Ask him, cry out, God, what part do I play in this process of my transformation? God, how, how, how can you re- renew my mind in this area of my life? God, give me a word. God, give me a relationship. Steer me in the right direction. Who do I got to uh, ask to help me? Who do I got to get connected with? What, what, what types of things do I need to be reading, God? Show me in your word. And I guarantee you if, you, if you give him more, he'll give you more. He'll speak. He will. As we get ready to close, I, I don't ever want to close a, a, a message out with giving somebody the opportunity to respond to what was said today. And I, I said at the beginning of this, before transformation can take place, salvation has to occur. And so if you're here this morning, and you feel in your heart or you know that you and God ain't right, and maybe it's because you've never given Him your, your heart, your life, you call it being born again or getting saved. If you've never done that, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. Or maybe if you've done that and you've fallen away from God and you just need a rededication and you want to do that today, you can do that. And what I'm going to ask you to do is everyone's praying, everyone's eyes are closed, no one's looking at you, this is your moment. And if God's speaking to you right now, you need to take it serious. I want to ask you just to stand up right now where you're at. Stand up right now. And I know your flesh may be cringing. Why do I have to stand up in a public place? And I say you have to stand up. Because the Bible says, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my Father. And also I ask you to stand because, man, Jesus... And he got wrecked for you. When I say wrecked, that's an understatement. He, he went to a cross, beaten, broken, naked, crucified, hung for the buzzards to eat for you. For you to accept him today in this moment. So if that's you, I'm going to give you a few more seconds. If he's speaking to you, stand up for him. Amen.